Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Today, I receive the Word of God, the prophet me, and reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness, that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished on all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis chapter 1. I'm teaching on the Father's blessing. And then next Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to have a service dedicated to the fathers of this house to bless their family, okay? You say, well, uh, my father isn't alive. My, my personal father's not alive either, and I understand that. So I'm going to bless our children. Uh, we've already called them up, and they're going to they're going to step out of their service, and we're going to do it FaceTime. We're going to bless them next, next Sunday. And uh, so, but if you're a father and you can, bring your children. If you have a father and he's willing to come, we're not trying to take somebody from another church, but if they're in another church or they can't come and be out here and bless you, I think it would be very, very powerful to experience that. The children will be in not all of the service, but they'll be in part of the service because, you know, we want the children blessed. So there's a father's blessing, and we see that Jacob blessed his children, but we also see that Jacob blessed his grandchildren. And so, you know, there's a blessing of the grandfather, too, that, that we're going to talk a little bit about next week and empower you fathers and empower every father in the house to release that blessing into the children's life. So what is a blessing? Well, first of all, we see the first recorded blessing here in Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 28. Then God blessed them. This is after he created man. And he created man in his image. And, and it says, and God blessed them. God said to them, this is how he blessed them. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. And you shall, uh, to you it shall be food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I've given every green food, herb, for food. So I'll just stop right there and give you a little tidbit that most biblical scholars believe that this was prior to the flood and that everybody, including the animals, were vegans. That's probably the word that you would use today. Nobody was a, a meat-eating person at that particular time. It was, a way, it was because of the way the earth was at that particular time, that vegetables, you know, and there are some archaeological digs that uh, uh, validate that some of these vegetables back then were nothing like what they are today. In fact, uh, a Japanese agriculturist took a, a tomato seed and he planted it in what they thought maybe was the environment that was back then compared to what it is today. And that tomato plant grew to be a tree and the tomatoes got huge. I mean, very, very big. I mean, it's like a meal to eat the whole tomato. And the interesting thing is that it didn't rot. 
until it fell off the vine. Isn't that something? And so, you know, so they, they, they've been doing some studies on these things, and, and that's another message in itself, and I don't want get, to get there. But nevertheless, God created the world at this particular time. He created man. He blessed man, and this is what he, he blessed them to do. He empowered them when he blessed them to be fruitful. God wants you to be fruitful. That's not just having kids. That means to increase in everything that you do. He wants you to multiply. And again, that's not just having a family, but he wants you to multiply. So when you go back to studying out how God really spoke to man, you know, Adam means mankind. You know, God didn't call Adam Adam because that was a good name, okay? Adam met Adam and Eve. You know, Adam who is the one who called Eve Eve. God didn't call Eve Eve. He called her woman, Okay. And so God is saying to this mankind, and we're all of that particular species, God created us, okay, and he empowered us. Now, I want, I want you to get hold of this. You know, did God create all the beasts of the field? Yeah, but man named them, but God named man. In other words, he empowered man to have dominion over them. You know, every, you know when God created Adam, or mankind, he created Adam, and, you know, and God brought all these animals, and he said, well, what are you going to call that? Well, I'm going to call that a giraffe. Well, what are you going to call that? He, well, I'm going to call that, you know, a, a walrus. Well, what are you going to call that? Well, I'm going to call that a great white shark. Well, what are you going to call that? Well, I'm going to call that a rhinoceros. You know, and so man named all the animals of the earth. Why could he do that? Because he was empowered to be like God. Whose image did he create? Whose image did God create us in? His image. But yet God empowered us to be in his image. And the way he empowered us is by telling us, you're now in my image. And now you have dominion over the creations that I created for you. And so he empowered us to do that. He empowered us for mankind to multiply. Has mankind multiplied? I don't know how many billions of people are on the planet Earth, but I do want to say this has nothing to do with my message. No matter how many billions of people is on the Earth, the Earth will always be able to provide for us. Amen. All right? So I'll leave that alone and move on. And so anyway, he empowered us to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill and to subdue and to have dominion. And also he empowered us to sow seed for provision, speaking of agricultural scene. And so the last thing he said was this, and indeed it was very good. Why? Because a blessing causes things to be very good. Let me say that again. The blessing causes things to be very good. And so when you release the blessing into a person's life, you're empowering them to receive all that God has for them. But you're doing more than empowering them. You're creating an atmosphere and also laying down a plan of success for them to walk in. And so when you read the story of, of, of man being created, it's here in Genesis chapter 2. And it says here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, after God created man, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Who created the garden of Eden? God did. All right? And so when you, you, know, you get married and you start having children, well, you... You start thinking, okay, uh, 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 she's pregnant, and we now need to have a place for this child. 
Why do you think that way? Because you're created in the image of God. God created man and said, not only am I going to create him, but I'm going to bless him with a place that he can grow in. All right? And so that's the blessing of the Lord that he creates a place for him. And so when you bless your children or you bless somebody, you're empowering them to know that God has a great plan for their life to fulfill. And not only has God got a great plan for their lives to fulfill, but you're going to be a part of helping them fulfill that plan. You're cultivating them. You're developing them. You're speaking into their lives. And that's what the blessing does. It, it, it sets the mindset of that child that, you know what? My mom and dad said, I can be successful. I can be victorious. How many of you ever had a mom and dad say, you can be whatever you want to be? Amen. You know? Except if you're born a male, you're not going to be a female. I'll just leave that there and move on, okay? But nevertheless, you know, you can be whatever you want to be according to God's will and God's plan in your life. And that's what the blessing does. It empowers you to begin to be able to see those things. You say, yeah, but pastor, I messed up. Well, I'm glad you, you, you admitted that because we're going to talk about what, Adam, what God did for Adam and Eve. Because of the blessing, God covered up the mistake that Adam and Eve made. So here it says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden and to tent it. And the Lord God commanded the man of every tree of the garden, you may eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay. I want you to underline that if you have your Bible. If you don't, I want you to take real close attention to that. The tree of what? Knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat it, you shall surely die. Okay? Now, we visualize this as God speaking to Adam or Adam and Eve as an individual. But God is putting something in motion. And what he's putting in motion is this, and that's Deuteronomy 28, if you will diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Now, is that Adam and Eve or is that mankind? That's whoever, whosoever will hearken diligently. So God is putting this in motion, not just for Adam and Eve, but for all of us. And so he, you know, is blessing not just Adam. He is blessing all of mankind. And this is, this is what he says. He said, if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he said, then you know what? You shall surely die. And so as a whole, without being too negative, is our society dying? And the truth is, it is. Because the majority of our society and our world is not serving God, you know? And so God in, didn't intend for us to die, but, but we're dying because we have decided to determine what is good and evil. So going on, now when you go to Genesis chapter 3, what you find out is that in Genesis chapter 3, that the serpent came, the devil, okay, the size, disguised as a serpent, and he was really cunning, the Bible says. And, you know, he said to, he said to Eve, you know, you know, well, you know, God's not going to let you eat of all these trees. Said, oh, no, no, that's not what he said. You know, we're just not supposed to eat the, 
the, of the tree of, uh, of good and evil. He said, well, that's because he knows that you'll become like him. All right. And you know what? He had a valid point there because when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, number one, they rebelled. And this is what rebellion did. Rebellion empowered them to decide what was good and evil. You see that? Now all of a sudden, mankind, they're not going to God to find out what God says what is good and evil. They're saying, we'll decide what's good and evil. Is that what's going on in our society today? You know, and the Bible says in the last days, men will call good evil and evil good. Have we been seeing a lot of that? I mean, how is taking prayer out of school or leaving prayer in school evil? I don't get it. You know, how is leaving the Bible in school evil? I don't get it. Well, you might warp those kids' minds. Well, what do you think your philosophy's doing? Certainly not giving them life, you know? And so when they ate or when they rebelled, they were now empowered to decide what is good and evil. And that's what the scripture says. God said when, when he realized them, he said, Adam, where are you? You know, Adam, well, you know, I mean, we were, you know, we were naked. Well, what happened before you sinned? They didn't know they were naked. They didn't know they had need of anything, and they didn't have need of anything. But here's what he said. He said, we were ashamed. And so what rebellion does is rebellion causes a person to run away from God instead of running to God. And so the blessing of God was working because you know what God did? He went out and he skinned a couple of animals. And I know that sounds a little, you know, uh, uh, crude, but that's what he did. He went out and in skinning those animals, he created a blood covenant with Adam and Eve through the shed blood of these animals called the Adamic covenant. In other words, he said, you know what, in he, he prophesied the coming of Jesus, but he said, until then, all I can do is cover you up. But that's the blessing of the Lord. And so what the blessing does, it not only empowers you to fulfill God's plan in your life, to participate in God's, you know, destiny in your life, but if you miss it, it also covers up where you missed it. And most parents, when they bring children into the world and they begin to train them, and a child decides to determine what is right and wrong for the house. Hello, somebody. Well, you need to go to bed at 8 o'clock. No, I don't think you're right, Mom and Dad. I don't think 8 o'clock is a good time for me to go to bed. You know, all the good cartoons come on at 1. I think I need to stay up until 1. All the reruns or whatever, you know. You know, that child doesn't have enough sense to, to know what's good and what's bad for that child. You know, if I had my way, I would have had ice cream for l- breakfast, ice cream for lunch, and ice cream for dinner. And then maybe an ice cream sandwich for snacks. Come on now, you know. But that's not good for me, all right. And so what rebellion did was rebellion was trying to change what those who were empowered to do to determine what's good and evil. And I said, no, 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 mom, 
your cream spinach is evil. Today I love her cream spinach. Or as my wife would say, the peas you're trying to give me are evil. In other words, the child, because of rebellion, is trying to determine what's good and what's not good. But yet the blessing of the Lord said, you don't know, but that's okay. I'm going to cover you up anyway. Amen. And, you know, and when I talk to parents, most of them don't talk about how bad their children are. They always talk about how good their children are. Of course, I'm one of them. I mean, you know, I got perfect grandchildren. We all know that. Nevertheless, the point is, is that, you know, that's what the blessing does. And so when you bless your children or you bless your family, you're not only empowering them, but you're helping them to understand that if you make a mistake, I'm going to cover your mistake. And as a result of covering your mistake, you're going to be able to get up, rise up, and still fulfill your purpose and your calling in life. And this is one of the things that hinders most people in life is that they don't feel like they're qualified to be what God called them to be. But God said, you know, though you missed it, I'm just going to cover you up so that you can continue on to do what I've called you to do. And that's what the blessing does. You're blessing your children to empower them to be what God created them to be and also to let them know that in the process of being that, it's okay to make mistakes. Now, you don't want to encourage them to make mistakes, but if we make a mistake, the parent is there or the blessing is there to cover up the mistakes. That doesn't mean you agree with the decisions they make because someday your little child is going to become what they call a legal adult. And they're going to make their own decisions. And sometimes they make decisions you don't agree with, but that's not a reflection of who you are. But the blessing will help remind them of who they are. That's the key. You know, God created man in his image, but just because they rebelled doesn't mean it's a reflection of who God is. You getting that, parents? And so just because your adult child doesn't always make decisions that you agree with, it's not a reflection of who you are, but keep speaking the blessing over them. I bless you. I declare you're going to be what God created you to be. You're going to fulfill God's plan in your life and that you're going to make decisions that are in accordance to God's will for your life. Because that's your authority as a parent, just like it was God's ability to bless us. And so that's how the blessing works. It empowers you. You know, and in order for you to receive the blessing, you have to receive God's love for you. And we look at 3 John 2, and it says, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you may prosper and be in health. God's using John to speak into the lives of the church. And the very first thing he said was, this is what you need to do in order to receive my blessing is receive my love or be loved. Let God love you. And this is what we want to do in this church is we want to point you to the Word of God and experience the presence of God so that you can encounter God's love on a daily basis. 
And I'm telling you something, there is nothing like being validated by God. The other day, I'm telling you, God showed up in my car and he validated me and I thought I was going to have to pull over because, I mean, just the tears start welling up in my eyes because he validated me. And I never had ever heard God validate me like that. But I needed that validation because I was struggling. You know, I was like, well, God, you know, what about this area of my life? You know, I need to, I need to really improve on that. And he just, you know, he just spoke to me about the areas of my life that really did please him. I was like, wow. And I came home and I told my wife what God did. And you know what she did? She told me God did the same thing to her that same day. You've got to let God love you. Because he does love you with an endless love. And that's the first thing in receiving God's blessing is to receive his love for you. In fact, the Bible says that you can't love him until you receive his love for you. For he first loved you. And that's the key. Well, you know, I, I don't know how God can love me, you know. He's God. You know, let him work that out. He just does. Amen? And so then declare this. I think this is so important. Whose images are you in? God's. Okay, how did God create things? He spoke things out. So you need to, be, you need to be, begin to declare you are empowered to bless. So what happens when someone sneezes? What do we say? You know, when we first started the church, you know, some people made fun of us, but you know, the very first thing that I would say when somebody would tell me something about somebody, I'd say, well, bless their hearts. Well, that's a Southern comment for most parts. But you know what? What, what, was, what was I really trying to do? I was trying to say, well, let's let the blessing work in their life, not the things that they're doing wrong. Yeah, I made a comment that came out of my spirit. It's so worth, worth, it's so worth saying again, and that is that when you are so involved in allowing God to change you, you don't see the change that other people need. When you're so involved in allowing God to change you, you don't see the change that other people need in their own lives. You're allowing God to change you, work on you. Well, is that scripture? Well, sure. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said, how can you take out the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log in your eye? I mean, what a contrast. I mean, you know, you talk about being slapped in the head with a two-by-four. Jesus said, don't be so concerned about, you know, judging others. Let God work on you. And the more you let God work on you, the less you realize that God needs to work on others. And that's the blessing of God, allowing God to do this in your life. So let the blessing declare that you're empowered to bless. And then the other thing we need to do is we need to renounce anything that doesn't bless. Any word spoken over us, any situation spoken over us. I just, I just denounce that from working in my life. And so when someone one sneezes and we say, bless you, it comes from a thought that when someone sneezes, and I, and, and I am not a medical doctor, so I don't know, and, and even if I was, I probably wouldn't even take the time to find out if it's true. But there are some thoughts that when you sneeze, your heart stops. And the reason why they say bless you is because, you know, once you sneeze and they see you're still alive, that, that what they're saying is that, well, God must have blessed you because he started your heart back up. That's where it came from. 
you know, but you're, you're blessing or you're empowering that person because most of the time when we sneeze, we think of, oh, you must be getting a cold, right? You know, and you know, sneezing doesn't necessarily mean you're getting a cold. Sneezing means that you're just trying to clear some things out in your nose that's tickling it. Let's just be real, you know, that's all it is. You know, but we, so, so, so when you say bless you, you're empowering them to walk in health. That's what you're doing. You're empowering them to overcome if, if a disease is trying to get up on them. You know, so what would you rather say? Blessed you or, you know, I declare though a thousand fall to your side and 10,000 to your right hand that none of these things will come upon you. Which one's easier? Bless you. Because you're empowered to bless. When you bless your food, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're declaring that this food is going to supplement you to carry out, nourish you to carry out the plans and purposes of God. That's the whole purpose of blessing the food. You know, God knows what you need, but you don't know who prepared it. You don't know whose hands were in it. Hello, somebody. So then Jesus talked and shared this, and we call it the Beatitudes. Now, let's just break up that word, and what it means is this ought to be our attitude. This ought to be our mindset. What's an attitude? It's a mindset, right? You know, you ever, you know, get with somebody who has a bad attitude? They have a bad mindset. You know, I'm not arguing with them. Why? Because they're not going to change their mind. But this is the attitude, or this is the mindset that Jesus wants us to have. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, Blessed are the poor in spirit. What, that, what does that mean, poor in spirit? In other words, you're, you're, you're in a place where you're humble enough to say, God, I need what you have for me. That's what that, uh, having a, 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 a spiritual challenge or an emotional challenge, is not referring to that. It's referring to you saying, hey, God, I, I need what you have for my life. And when you go to God and say, God, I need what you have in my life. Remember what the, what the rebellion did? It opened up a door for mankind to decide what is right and what is wrong. Well, as we begin to allow the word of God to change us or make the word of God our standards, all of a sudden we will begin to realize what is right and what is wrong. And like I said earlier, many of us are at different levels of understanding and revelation. And most of you know that today I am a very strong opponent for pro-life. Okay? Very, very strong opponent for pro-life. But when I first got saved, I didn't have an opinion about abortion one way or the other. I'm just being honest with you. Well, what changed you? You know, the Word of God changed me. As I began to say, God, I want more of who you are, what you are, you know, um, I want to be what you've called me to be. In other words, what, what, what was I saying? I want, to, I want to experience your blessing, you know, then my mindset began to change. And so I had to go to God and say, God, help change my mindset, and he's still helping change my mindset. I need his help, and that's what poor in spirit. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is there. In other words, all that God has is for you if you'll humble yourself. What does the scripture say? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. You know, what does it mean to be humble? It means that you're looking to God to empower you, not yourself. Because you know what? Left up to you, you can't really determine what's right and wrong. 
because you're not God. But if you try to determine what's right and wrong, you're trying to empower yourself to be like God. And that's what God said to Adam and Eve whenever they sinned. He said, well, you know, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, they're, they're like us. In other words, they're determining, they're the ones who determine what's right and wrong. Well, let's let God do it. How many of you know that God's got this? How many of you know he hasn't made a mistake yet? You know, he's, he really does have this. Tell your neighbor God's got this. Blessed are those who mourn. And so when I researched this out, I thought, well, you know, I know people grieve. We go through some things and things like that. But that's not really what he's referring to because the Bible says it's godly sorrow that produces repentance. Well, what is true repentance? True repentance is you returning back to God, turning to. The Old Testament doesn't use the word repentance as much as it says, and when you get off track or when you sin, when you come back to. That's repentance. And that's God's plan for everybody. You know, repentance ought not be a bad word. When we hear a, we're going to have a repentance service, we, we ought not have this image of people coming to the altar and all the Kleenex boxes coming out and everybody crying their eyes out. No, repentance should be a lifestyle of coming to God. That's what it should be. That's why it says in three, Acts chapter 3, verse 19, he said, it says, you know, repent and be converted and times of refreshing will come upon you. In other words, if you'll come to God, God will do the changing. That was my experience. That's still been my experience. And again, the more I let God change me, the less I realize other people need to change. Are we doing good this morning? So this is what he's saying. Blessed are those who mourn or let godly sorrow lead them to repentance, for they shall be comforted. Well, of course, that's what God says. Come to me and I'll make everything good again for you. You know, he had to go find Adam. Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where are you? But you know what? More blessed when you go to God. You know, when you miss it, don't run from God. Run to God. Now, I used to tell my children, I said, look, if you do something in the house, break a window or whatever, don't try to hide it from me. I said, because I'm so close to God, God will tell me who did it. I said, just tell me you broke the window so we can fix it or whatever happens. You know, just, hey, this happened. You know, why did it happen? Well, maybe, maybe it was a good decision, bad decision, but we can learn. Let's just let's, let's, let's fix it together. Don't, don't try to hide. Well, you know what? The same thing is true with God. Don't run from God. When you missed it, go to God because he will comfort you. Blessed are those who are meek or those who will let and allow God to teach them and to guide them into all truth. For they shall inherit the earth. So what you're saying is that you're saying, God, I want to quit thinking what I think is right and wrong, and I want to get the mindset of what you say is right and wrong. What do you call good and evil? All right, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so we think of Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, putting God first is not hard. What happens is so many times is that we begin to materialize that, you know what, I need to spend an hour with God and I need to do this, this. Just put God first. Remember the bracelet that was very popular? What would Jesus do? That still should be very popular. That should be in the forefront of our hearts whenever we make decisions. God, what would you want me to do? That's all. Just put God first. 
Make God a priority in your life. What does this, this word say? Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, so they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, pure in heart just means being honest. You know, sometimes when I pray God, pray to God, God I, I, I'll say things like this. Well, you already know what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and, then, and then, you know, and sometimes I tell him, you know, I'm not really sorry that, you know, I think this person's wasting good air and you need to take them out. I have to be honest. I'm not sorry about that yet. Hello, somebody. Come on. You know? But then I, I, know, I want your way, God. I want, you know, I, 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 I want to be able to be merciful. I want to be able to forgive. I want to be able to, you know, just being honest with God is so important. You know, David wasn't a perfect man, but he, the Bible says he had a pure heart towards God. Wow. How about that? Just being honest with God. So the pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteous' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you're reviled and persecuted and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for they shall persecute the prophets who were before you. So blessed are you when you begin to take on God's way of thinking, the way God sees things. The last scripture I want to share with you, and, and this is setting you up to bless your family. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And uh, the way the Lord really began to drop this in my own heart was this. He said, don't teach your children to be angry about things. Don't teach your children to get angry about things. You know, they follow the example. Now, there's a little bit of um, transparency that goes on here, and I always leave a, a major door open for somebody to write me a letter that I don't appreciate. Of course, it's not letters these days. It's email or post something on Facebook. But there was a time in my life, unfortunately, I had an anger problem. And I had to go count to counseling and get and, and deal with the anger, you know, called anger management. You know, and, and two things that, you know, hit me like a two-by-four between the eyes was one thing that my mom said and one thing that my pastor said. And they both said the same thing. And they said this, Tom, as big as you are, if you don't get control of that anger, you might kill somebody. I thought, wow. Of course, my mom said it with tears, you know, and that just broke me down, you know. And pastor said it with compassion. So, you know, but where did that anger come from? It was a learned behavior. You know, it was, you know, part of growing up. It was something we saw in our home. We didn't know. You know, I'm not trying to discredit anybody in my home or anything, but we didn't know. It was, it was a learning. We, we, we get mad about something. And, of course, we had unpleasant conversations, you know, about things and said things that probably shouldn't have been said or used curse words and stuff like that, you know. And uh, one of the things that God did in my own per personal life was before I got saved, I mean, you know, I just, I just had a really potty mouth. 
And everybody knew something happened to me when I got saved because it just disappeared. You know, God did that for me. I couldn't do it in my own strength. I was like, oh, you know. But God did that for me. God delivered me from the anger. In other words, we don't need to set an example. Our example empowers our children. We don't need to set an example. You know, yeah, bad things happen to us, son. But you know what? You got a choice. Your choice is to, you know, be angry about it or move on. I'll never forget the time Jason came in and he was crying. He was all upset because his sister was picking on him. His sister was, she's five years older than him. Is that right? Four years older than him, you know. And of course, you know, for most part, during her childhood, she was bigger than he was. And, you know, so she was picking on him. She harassed him or something. He's in her crying, rah, 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 you know, all this stuff. So, so I sat down with him, let him cry a little bit. and said, so tell me something, Jason. I said, how do you feel? Bad. I said, how's your stomach? It hurts. I said, okay. I said, so we have a choice here. We can stay there or we can just say, you know what? I'm going to walk away from this thing and let it go. Which one do you want to do? You know, of course, there's that part of, I want to get even. It's not fair. I get it. I had a brother who was six years older than me. I get it. You know, I still may not be able to whoop him. You know, boy, he beat the fire out of me sometimes. You know, you get mad when you can't control the circumstances. But you know what? Just like I love my brother today is because, you know what? All of us forgotten about. So I taught Jason, I said, hey, instead of getting mad, in other words, I'm teaching him not to be provoked. Let it go. And I tell you what, this kid, I've seen this kid walk through some challenges in life that I go, man, and you're not mad about that? I'd be mad about that. I don't tell him that, of course, you know, but I'm just so very pleased. But we imparted into him not to be provoked. Not to let what's going on in this world or in life to provoke him to do the wrong thing, but to do the right thing. And you know that your children are listening when they say something that convicts you to the core. And one time I was saying something and he said something that convicted me to the core. You know, and I want to say, where'd you get that from? He got it from me. Because we taught him not to be provoked. You know, there's things going on in this world, but no need. God's got this. Because you know why? God's got this. God's got this. So don't provoke. And I understand that you don't want to provoke your children to get angry at you and don't antagonize them. And I understand all that. But I'm just looking at this just through a different eye today. And that is, let's teach our children not to get angry about situations. In fact, let's teach our children not to be destructive. Let's teach our children how to be constructive and walking in the blessing of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time. Remember, you are God's best.